Welcome in episode 202, What's Right with Nick Wright, and this episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you ask me, nothing goes together quite like food and football, especially this time of year. College football on Saturday, the pros on Sunday, and the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card provides the perfect way to earn rewards. Whether you're watching your team with other fans at a local restaurant or in the comfort of your living room, earn four times the points when you dine out or have food delivered. Maybe you order a pizza and watch it on the big screen TV of yours. Plus, earn two times points at grocery stores, which is great if you're tailgating at the stadium with hot dogs and hamburgers. Even getting to the game can be rewarding as you'll earn two times as many points at gas stations and EV charging stations. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth 200 bucks if you spend $1,000 in your first 90 days of opening your account. Score big with the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply, limited time offer to the creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from BC USA Incorporated. Some restrictions may apply. All right, Demonze. So this is our a little scheduling update. This is our last live show until the new year. Next week we will have we will have new content, but they won't be live shows. It will be somewhat year-end review. We will also on our social channels put out my bets, which once again had another losing week. It's a rough season. There's no <laughs> way around it. It's a gambling show. I just got to admit to it. Uh, I'm running out of real estate to keep my streak of profitable years alive. I am running out of real estate to ever hit a 5-0. and oh. we, we don't have a lot of time left. With that said, the last time we didn't do a gambling show, Thanksgiving, and I gave out the picks online, I did go 4-1. and one. So maybe the key is not overthinking it, putting them out right before the games kick off and going from there. Maybe that's helpful. Also, it probably was helpful that last time we did that. We had two of those picks were Thanksgiving Day games, and I gave them out Thanksgiving morning. So I had all the available information like this week. What am I supposed to do with some of these games when we don't know? So, Bucks, Jags, I don't know if the Prince is playing or not. And if he is playing, I don't know the forecast because my guy, the Prince, really seems to trouble have trouble with a slippery football. So there's a lot of, lot of balls in the air, if you will. But we have a full show for you today. We're actually going to do a four-segment show. We'll try to keep it to the regular time. So before we get into the start of the show... Let's get into what missed the cut, including maybe the best performance in the NBA this season. Joel Embiid scoring 51 against arguably the league's best team and arguably the league's best defense in the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's not on the co- show. Good thing the Timberwolves Stroud. aren't able to defend th- free throws. Well, oh, wow. Taking shots at Joel Embiid. I mean, listen, mm-hmm. he does. I wonder how many I, times I think he fell over during that it, game. Well, so listen, the kids call that being a foul merchant or something. Here's the thing about him falling. Joel Embiid was taught to fall when he was dealing with all those lower body injuries early in his career. Now, it might sound counterintuitive, but what the Sixers training staff and doctors said was because he's so big that landing awkwardly is worse for 
his feet, his ankles, his knees, than just kind of like slowly falling to the ground because it dissipates more force. Now, maybe you can argue he's taken that to an extreme, but that's on purpose. What they didn't want him to keep doing was, you know, landing hard and trying to keep his balance. They told him basically, you know what I mean, almost cartoonishly fall to the ground. Now, he does get a lot of foul calls that, you know, I would wish the oldest player in the league who's played 70,000 minutes could get, but I guess it's never going to happen. C.J. Stroud, probably not going to play against the Browns, still dealing with a concussion. And Tommy Cutlets makes an appearance at a pizza shop. And a lot of this Tommy DeVito commentary has struck me as slightly anti-Italian, or at least stereotypical, and I don't really love it as, you know, your favorite Italian-American sports media member. Demonze, let's get to the show. All right, so Miami and uh, the Cowboys, they go head-to-head this Sunday, Christmas Eve. Uh, Dallas doesn't yep. have a statement win outside of going uh, one-and-one with Philly. And Miami hasn't beating hasn't beaten a winning team. I think we got a tweet for those watching yep. on YouTube from you. Uh, but which, oh, okay. which, one of these, which one of these teams would prove to be a Super Bowl threat with a statement win? I don't know. I can't read it. Okay. Oh, that's fine. So the tweets from NFL on CBS, Cowboys-Dolphins will be the first game in NFL history between teams with 20 combined wins, but one or fewer against teams above 500. Cowboys 1-3 and three against teams above 500. Dolphins 0-3 oh against teams above 500. So before I answer the question, something on the above 500 stuff. It is noteworthy. It's slightly misleading. So here's the question I would ask the audience. Will you think the Cowboys are a far better team than you think they are right now if the Rams beat the Saints tonight? The Rams beating the Saints should have no impact on what you think of the Cowboys, right? And let's go ahead and say also, if Seattle beats the Titans this weekend, will you think the Cowboys are a far better team than you think they are right now? Probably not. But if those two things happen, all of a sudden the Cowboys have three wins against teams above 500. So the, the the reason the Rams and the Seahawks aren't above 500 is because the Cowboys beat them. They're both 7-7. Seven and seven. And so I understand the, oh, you beat up on bottom feeders critique, but two of the Cowboys' wins came against teams that I think are going to be playoff teams potentially, certainly the Rams and possibly the Seahawks, and right now those don't count as above 500 wins, but they might by the end of the year. Now, to the question about uh, uh, about who proves to be a Super Bowl threat with a statement win this week, I think it's Dallas. I think Dallas has all the makings of a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Now, maybe it won't matter because the Niners are just too good for everybody. That seems to be what Vegas thinks. That's certainly what the media thinks. Every NFL conversation seems to be polluted by the fact that the vast majority of the media seems to think the whole league is, as you would say, DeMond's a mid or worse, except for the Niners Niners? and and maybe the Ravens. It's like the Niners are great, the Ravens are potentially really good, and everyone else stinks. Because when we talk about the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Dolphins, who are, in my opinion, third, fourth, fifth in most people's power rankings, we only talk about what they're not good at. So if we're only picking apart top, you know, teams that are consensus top five, the other, you know what, let me change it. I think the media actually thinks there's three good teams. 
one great team, the Niners, and then two good teams, the Ravens and the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills get get more credit for their season than teams that have been consistently good all year get for theirs, but that's, you know, that is what it is. Now, the Dolphins, I thought, had a really impressive win this past week. I understand it was against the Jets, but the way they did it and doing it without Tyreek. I'm also impressed by the media at large's ability to accurately and I think fairly watch Tua Tungavailoa say he's good but probably not great, recognize and how the they system. Don't do it for Brock Party. Is that where you're about to get exactly to? right? Exactly right. It's amazing to me that we can have and by the way, Tua this week did something Purdy has not been able to do, which is play a game without one of his Avengers and play great. We're yet to see that from Brock this year, but for some reason, I've got to deal with Brock Purdy being an overwhelming favorite to win league MVP and Tua, whose numbers aren't as good, but they're in the same ballpark, has just been totally dismissed as a candidate, as he should be, by the way, because people are like, oh, it's Tyreek. We see Tua do it without Tyreek. Nobody cares. It's a weird thing going on. With all that said, I think Dallas wins. Miami's in with a bunch of injuries. None of their their entire offensive line mispracticed yesterday. That seems like a problem. We don't know if Tua's going to play. And I think Miami is a good, not great team. I think Dallas can be a great team. And dating back to December of 21, Dallas is 9-0 and with an average margin of victory of nearly 20 points coming off a loss. So I like Dallas in this spot. All right, next. All right, so um, the Ravens are facing off against the Niners. I think that's next Monday. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do, buddy? That's Christmas night. Who are you rooting for? These are your two guys. I'm, this I'm is Brock and Lamar. I'm rooting but for I mean, the they, you're a huge Brock, Brock, is a, Brock Purdy isn't fan. my guy. I just, I just think you're unfair to oh. him, and I feel like I got a cape for him sometimes. But uh, okay. But yeah, I think this will, I think this will be a good, a good chance to see how we uh, match up against the Niners. I think it's scary. I think if we stay within seven points, I'm happy. Um, oh wow! No faith yeah, in I, your Ravens. No, it's it's. I mean, Lamar is going to be, I think he's going to be forced to throw the ball this game, and I would like to see him be forced to throw the ball and see how it turns out. I'm saying within seven to be modest, but I think there's a chance they win the game, but I just haven't seen them face up against each other. So So this is a weird spot for me because I need the Niners to win. I'm going to be Christmas night rooting for Brock Purdy because I need the Ravens to lose twice in the final three weeks for the Chiefs to be able to get the Oh, for the Chiefs, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I need I need the Niner. I'm going to be a big Brock Purdy fan this weekend. I guess like well, my best possible result would be somehow like a ten to three Niners victory, where Purdy doesn't play well, but the Niners find a way to win. That would be for my own take agenda. The best case scenario. Uh, I do think that. I I think the Ravens defense absolutely could give the Niners some real trouble. With that said, this is the Ravens going cross-country to a Niners team that is not only rolling but fully healthy. And the Ravens, and I know, Demonze, maybe you agree with me. I shouldn't say I know because I don't know if you agree or disagree with me on this. The Ravens, despite the winning streak, 
have looked to me shaky the last three weeks. I thought three weeks ago, that Chargers game, when the Chargers were just trying to give the game away repeatedly, the fact that it was 13-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter and the Ravens seemed like they were ripe to lose. Then the Rams game goes to overtime. That was the worst defensive performance for the Ravens this year. Their offense, Lamar was unbelievable in that game. And yeah. then against Trevor and the Jags, the Jags could not have shot themselves in the foot more on every drive of the first half. They move the ball, miss a field goal. They move the ball, miss a field goal. They move the ball, Trevor drops the ball. They move the ball, they butcher the end of the half. And then despite all that, it's 10-7 midway through the third and takes a couple, one in particular, really great Lamar Jackson plays for the Ravens to be able to get some separation. So I understand both of these teams are on winning Practice. streaks. The Niners' winning streak, to me, has been more convincing than the Ravens' winning streak. So I do like the Niners in this spot, but I am very interested to see how Brock does against another one of the league's best defenses, and I'm interested to see how Christian McCaffrey does, but I, this is one of the best games of the year. This is right yeah. now the one seed versus one seed. It is the super, the favorite Super Bowl matchup, and from a NFL intrigue perspective, I would say this. It's a bummer if the Niners blow out the Ravens. Yeah. If the Niners just dog-walk the Ravens, they've already dog-walked the Eagles, they've dog-walked the Cowboys. If they annihilate the Ravens, the life out of the then season. they're... <laughs> it, to a degree. To, to all... Let me tell you this much right now. For... Neutral observers, or probably not neutral observers, for people that don't want, if the Niners crush the Ravens, people that don't want the Niners to win the Super Bowl, maybe you're a fan of a rival team or something, you know who they're all of a sudden going to become huge fans of the rest of the year? The Chiefs. If the Niners crush the Ravens, people are the the, the only hope left for the league is going to be that the Chiefs offense starts clicking to go along with that defense. It well, should be noted the I don't only think people team are going to be looking Niners. at it as if, if the Ravens can't go do ahead. it, the Chiefs can do it, given the way the Chiefs season has gone. But hey, that's just me. Well that well then so then it's nobody. Well then it's nobody, Demonze. Right? Then then they'll just yeah. think it's nobody. Correct? <laughs> I mean if they, yeah, they, they, they've crushed the Cowboys, they've crushed the Eagles, they've crushed the Ravens. I don't know if there's anybody left. And so Buffalo. and maybe that's the answer. <laughs> The, oh, yeah, Buffalo. Um, and so the the other – oh, what I was trying to say was, before I was rudely interrupted, um, <laughs> is that uh, the only team since the Niners got Christian McCaffrey, the only team to beat them with a healthy McCaffrey with, like, all of their weapons in a game when the quarterback doesn't go down was the Chiefs, the first game they got McCaffrey. When the Chiefs annihilated, they scored. I think beat them like forty-two to thirty-one or something. Early the first game with McCaffrey last year, and so I uh, I think it'll be a good game. I do think the Niners will win. I think the Ravens though will acquit themselves well, but this feels to me like the Ravens have been flirting with a loss for a month, and the Niners have not been. So I like the Niners in this spot. All right, next.
All right, fair enough. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is officially activated off injured reserve, uh, but he's yep. not going to be playing. He's just gotten taken off of IR. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he just wants to build up chemistry with his teammates while he's healing his Achilles. Do you think this is the last stunt by Aaron Rodgers in 2023, or we're going to hear from him again? Well, we got 10 days left, so I assume we'll hear from him again. Uh, this, th- By the way, this I- I've said enough about Aaron. I've been right at every turn. Uh, and this isn't even a classic Category 2 opinion. This is a Category 1 opinion. I was instantly correct, and I've been correct every step of the way. Uh, it was one thing. This is more immediate commentary. It was one thing for uh, a lot of my colleagues to be credulous about this idea that he was going to play this year. It was on its face ludicrous. You know, shout out while I criticize other media members, shout out to Melissa Stark and Sunday Night Football for not being credulous. Because if you remember, week 10, he told Melissa Stark his plan was to come back in mid-December to be able to play. And NBC had that information and did not lead the show with it did not act like it was a breaking news revelation, and they just kind of, as a as an aside, said it mid-second quarter of the game because they knew this is nonsense. I wish some other local and national media had taken it as nonsense. I'm sure Jets fans wish the front office had taken it as nonsense, and then maybe they would have signed an actual backup quarterback rather than placating Rodgers' ego But set all that aside, what has been even more maddening is in the last 48 hours, I've got to listen to Ian Rappaport go on NFL Network and say, well, listen, guys, Aaron Rodgers did it. He accomplished what he said he was going to do. No, he bleeping didn't. And the idea that we are now going to say, oh, unprecedented recovery based on what? You don't think... There have been other people who popped their Achilles who, if they wanted to, for a dog and pony show, take off the walking boot early and put on a specialized shoe, they could do it? Of course they could. Now, if they did it, their doctor would then say, what are you doing? But they could do it. You don't think there are other people that three and a half months in could uh, cosplay uh, backup quarterback at practice, of course they could, but it would be ridiculous to no positive end and just to be like, look at me, look at me. And it is the the fact that now the Jets, this morning, Demonze, the Jets had to cut a player. Cut him. You, We have 53 roster spots. Aaron's taking you one. IR? You're cut. <laughs> Yes. Oh, wow. They had to cut a guy. Now, they, already the hey. media is cleaning this up for Aaron. They're like, oh, he was a vested veteran, so he still gets paid. Great. They saw it to cut him. They had to move him down. He will then revert to practice squad, which then you know what that means? Someone on the practice squad gets cut. In service of Aaron Rodgers' ego, this would this would be like if at Blue Duck, who produces this show, I was like, hey, I'm sorry, Kara, you've got to go because my imaginary friend needs that seat. It's like, huh? 
Like, no, sorry. Like, no, that seat is taken up by, but it's important to me. My imaginary friend's going to take it. And she's just standing out in the hallway because they're like, ah, we don't want to upset Nick. Like, it's so (laughs) outrageous. It's just such an, and I cannot believe there have not, Nora Princiati called him out on it. I've called him out on it. A few others. There have been others. But the, some of the real tastemakers in national football media are like, man, bravo, Aaron. And I will say this now for the second time. And people think, I think mistakenly, that uh, a lot of my annoyance with Aaron Rodgers is because of his stance on the vaccine. That is not it. People can have whatever stance they want on vaccines. I the I am I'm not trying that to have that argument me. right now. The what surprises you? That surprises me that you're not like uh like on his tail because it like a big that's not a big well, part of you being annoyed with him because like him acting well, that's he's also promoting other people to not get the vaccine. Well, so listen, I again that is that is in a separate bucket. I can, I can, we can have that discussion. Um, we can have that discussion at a later date or in a different format. Here is, though, what everyone should agree with Aaron, on the vaccine note, three years ago said, after, you know, misleading everyone and being disingenuous about it, guys, I found an alternative to the vaccine same immunization none of the downstream effects that he felt the vaccine had right that's what he told us okay we now since then have learned he considers big pharma an evil entity uh is you know challenging fauci debate me bro all this stuff meanwhile so he clearly believes that at least this specific vaccine was really bad and there was another way to go about immunity, safety, and health. That's what he told us. Then why have you not told everyone what it is? If I thought that everyone with that millions of people were doing something terrible for them and I had an alternative that was better and I do, do one-hour interviews every week Millions of people watch. You know what I might do? Share the data. I might be like, hey, guys, here's the thing. Here's what you do. You smoke some peyote. You grind up a a sugar pill. You rub it on your forehead. You pray to the God, and this is what you do. Here, It worked for me. Let me let it work for you. So that was the first thing. Now, the second time, he peddled. I solved Achilles injuries. Well, I bet Kirk Cousins would like to know what you did. (laughs) Poor guy's going to be limping around Christmas morning. All those wonderful kids of his. Like, I mean, give me a break. It's just so dumb. And, And we got all these people who are like, man, if the Jets, it was a massive discussion on every sports tv show for weeks looking this is segments that were done they would put up the jets schedule and they would say well 
if they can win this game and this game, then week 16, that's Aaron Rodgers' target date. If they could just be 7-7, seven and seven, he could be back for the playoff. People were having these discussions. They were being credulous about the idea that Aaron Rodgers at 40 years old was going to play tackle football this year. And then, three weeks ago, as a birthday present to the guy, they they started and opened his practice window, and we saw the video of him at practice. And the quarterbacks are doing jumping jacks, and Aaron's like, you know, lightly bobbing on his knees. And then guys are jogging, and Aaron is 35 paces behind him. And it's like, <laughs> but... In 15 days, he's going to be trying to elude Miles Garrett. The whole thing was so dumb. And I just, I, 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 and people are like, I mean, this is all from the same studio that gave us, I wasn't ducking your calls. Everyone knows I don't have phone service where I live. You have to FaceTime me. From the same studio that gave us, how dare you say I gave the Jets an offseason wish list? I never would. Meanwhile, they signed Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, hired your BFF to be their offensive coordinator, and Tim Boyle's their third-string quarterback. Like, the guy, just such phony nonsense. <laughs> and I, and I, it is, I don't know who, what people are like, uh, the, I don't understand, and maybe I'm missing it. Maybe this bill's going to come due for me. Maybe I'm going to find out that uh, there there's power wielded that I was unaware of. But everyone knows it. And so few of us are just actively calling it out. The same guy who had the audacity to call to, to go after Kelsey, call him Mr. Pfizer, when he works for the heir of the Johnson & Johnson fortune. And it's like, what are we talking about? This guy. Now I got to hear how he accomplished his goal. This is probably his Give version of Draymond's like antics, getting all hyper aggressive and the chokeholds. Oh, he's getting old, running out of sauce, new tactics. Well, that's like, I feel the other like, thing. I feel like, like he's I, always kind of been like this, but it's just more extreme these days. Well, and here's the other thing. If you're a Jets fan, God love you. I read the Rich Semini article this week, this morning. It's like questions for the Jets. The first one was, should they bring back Sala and Douglas? Well, Douglas is 25 and 55 as a GM. Sala is 16 and 32 as a head coach. Obviously, the answer is no. But then it's like, but Aaron likes him. Well, then I guess you got to bring him back. The next question was, should they bring back Nat Hackett? And they're like, well... The Jets' offense has scored 13 touchdowns. They've played 14 games. They probably shouldn't bring him back, but it would upset Aaron Rodgers. They are doing all of this as if they have Heat-era LeBron James as their <laughs> as the guy. It's like, man, might piss him off, but like, what are we going to do? He's a guy who this year, the last time we, the in the last two seasons, the best Packer quarterback play we've seen has come from Jordan Love. And they're doing it for a soon-to-be 41-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Get out of here. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Warmer, sunnier days are approaching, so fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Factor will help you meet your wellness goals just in time for summer, thanks to a vast menu of chef-crafted, never-frozen meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These fresh meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Variety? They have that. Factor has 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. Working on wellness goals? Factor has you covered with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. How do they taste? They're delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious, and delicious options. What about quality? Each Factor meal is restaurant quality with premium ingredients like filet mignon, blackened salmon, and shrimp. So start spending less time in the kitchen now because you don't have to shop, prep, cook, or clean up. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, well, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode 202. We'll do our picks in about uh, 10 minutes. But first, Demonze, we got a Shaq and Steph conversation, and then we're going to play a quick holiday game. Go right ahead. Yeah, so Steph hit a game-winning three in overtime versus my Celtics, obviously. And uh, Shaq yeah. says that Steph Curry belongs in the GOAT conversation now. We already know who your GOAT is, but where do you think that Steph Curry lines up as for, in, in the GOAT debate? He's not he's, in it. No. He's not in it. No, I mean, the, but this is why, like, I, I I love Shaq. And Shaq also said, he was like, he's like, Steph's better than I was. We can have that discussion. Obviously, couldn't find two more different players, but like in all-time rankings, we can have that discussion. Shaq is very generous of spirit when it comes to, like, other legendary players versus him. Yeah. The only guy he always tries to tear down is Barkley. 
and other modern and modern sinners. Modern sinners and Barkley, <laughs> he tries to tear down, but all, all the other guys, like the legends before him and the current legends, he's great about. But the GOAT conversation, he's not in it. He's just not. Um, there is... So, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I the, the problem with doing this is... Well, he is you the greatest shooter up, of all time. I guess that's a different sure. thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's the greatest shooter of all time, and he might be the best ball handler of all time. Kyrie, uh, Pistol Pete, actually, are in that discussion. His godfather, Rod Strickland, not quite to that level, but Is up Magic there. in that, or no? Uh, no, Magic's the greatest passer of all time, right? You know what I mean? Um and so there, but Magic, I mean, Magic's LeBron's size. Magic right. was a great ball handler for his size. But no, no, no. I think, I think Steph and Kyrie are the two best ball handlers I've ever seen. Um, but the, the problem with doing this is we then end up tearing a guy down. We, if you say, if you say, let me, Demonze, what's up? What's up? I'm going to, this is a terrible analogy. I apologize. What's a food you like, like that you, every time you eat it, you enjoy it, but it's not just something you like, like, yeah, that's good. Um, a burger from In-N-Out. Sorry. In-N-Out. Okay. That's good. That's good. Okay. So you enjoy that. You like that. When you have it, you're happy. But if I were to say the burger from In-N-Out is the single greatest food in the world, you would then end up spending time talking about why it's not. You would be like, well, no, it doesn't. It's not as good as this. It's not as good as that. And now right. something you like, you're actually spending your time and energy. So the problem overrating guys is actually, by accident, the most disrespectful thing you can do to them. And underrating them is kind of the nicest. Because if Shaq had said Steph Curry... Not one of the 25 best players ever. Guess what we would have spent the last couple of days doing? Talking about how awesome he is. But instead, if you like Steph Curry, greatest player ever maybe, what do we spend the last couple of days doing? Talking about why he's not. And so it, uh, and the, the reality is this. The GOAT conversation in the NBA is three people wide. It's LeBron, Michael, and Kareem. Those are the three people eligible for the conversation with, if you want to expand it to include Bill Russell, you can be, but it does feel like that's almost a different conversation. But then after that, that next group of the greatest players ever that has Magic, that has Kobe, that has Bird, that has Duncan, that has Wilt that has Shaq, that has Akeem, that has Steph, that that is Bird, if I didn't mention him. In that group, you can make an argument for Steph against any of them. Now, I don't have him ahead of any of those guys I just listed. I don't. Uh, but if someone were like, Steph Curry was better than Shaq, or Steph Curry is better than Akeem, or Steph Curry was better than Larry Bird. You can at least craft the argument. I know people started to have the Steph versus Magic argument. I 
I don't think that one is actually all that close, but I I can listen to it. But that's the apex of where it's listenable. Like you can, if that makes sense. The just like the I I think you can at least without making a fool of yourself make the Steph was better than Kobe argument. You can. I disagree with it, but you can make it. You can make the Steph was better than Duncan argument. I disagree with it, but you can make it. You can even squint hard enough to make the Steph was better than Magic argument, who I believe is the fourth greatest player ever. But that's where it ends. So the absolute top of where he can get to from a credible argument standpoint is fourth. I think he's more like 11th, but it would be fourth. And the absolute bottom, if you do the opposite of it, every guy who has a credible argument is better than him, give it to him. So that would mean magic, other than your top three that I've already said, right? So obviously you have LeBron, Kareem, Michael. And then I'm not going to do order, but I'm going to do the guys. I'm going to try to do them off the top of my head. If I say, if I'm missing anyone obvious, say it in my ear. Uh, but you would then have, you would have Magic, you would have Russell, you would have Wilt, you would have Duncan, you would have Kobe, you would have Bird, you would have Akeem, you would have Shaq, you would have Moses, you would have Dr. J, you would have, and again, I have Steph ahead of Moses and Dr. J, but I'm just trying to, you would have Isaiah Thomas, you would have Kevin Durant. Am I leaving anybody out? I hope I'm not. I think I listed all, all so that's 15. Go ahead, Daniel or anybody, if you think I'm leaving out somebody obvious. Uh, Gian- Giannis and Jokic would be guys that at some point, you know what I mean, that you would anticipate moving into that realm, not there yet. So here's the point I'm making. You cannot have an intelligent conversation about Steph Curry's all-time ranking and have him lower than 16 or higher than 4. Anywhere from 4 to 16, you can make a semi to wholly credible case for. Anywhere out lower than that, if all of a sudden you're like D Wade was better, Dirk was better because those are the Barkley was better, those are the guys in the next kind of grouping. Um you sound ridiculous. And anywhere above, I think above six, you probably sound semi-ridiculous, but you at least can craft the argument of Steph versus Magic. You can craft it. But anywhere above that, you sound ridiculous. So he has to be, if you want a seriously taken ranking, somewhere from four to 16 all-time in the Pantheon. Uh, I don't, and so... Anything lower, you're going to sound like a total hater, and anything higher, you're being ridiculous. All right, let's play the game. Naughty or nice, go ahead. All right. Oh, this we haven't great. played this game. I like that graphic. Go ahead. Kind of looks like uh, Adam Sandler. But we haven't played this game in a it's year. Me, uh We're bringing mm-hmm. it back. Yeah, I did. My bad. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're playing Naughty or Nice, and we'll give you a exa- couple examples, a Naughty and a Nice one. Uh, so the NBA has given yep. us Celtics versus Lakers on Christmas Day. We'd call that a nice category. And the NFL mm-hmm. is giving us Broncos versus the Patriots on Christmas Eve. We would call that naughty. Um, Disagree. I actually think that's quite nice. 
It's a total non-watch. Christmas Eve so non-watch. So you can just enjoy your Christmas you just, Eve. It, it, Yeah, exactly, exactly right. I actually think it's quite naughty that the NFL's giving us uh, Niners-Ravens on Christmas Day. Day. One of the best games of the year on Christmas Day. Chiefs-Raiders... It, you, uh, also, I think it's a, I, I really think the NFL putting a 1 p.m. game on Christmas Day, 1 p.m. East Coast time, involving a West Coast team, which means you're a diehard Raider fan. 10 a.m. Christmas morning, your team's playing. I don't love it. I don't love it. All right, but go ahead. Christmas music probably won't be going. But yep. first off, we got Mike yep. Tomlin. Pittsburgh fans are starting to get impatient with the Super Bowl winning coach Mike Tomlin who can't seem to figure out the offensive side of the football since Big, Big Ben Prime's prime ended. Would Pittsburgh moving on from Mike Tomlin be naughty or nice? Uh, I think naughty. Listen, I the I think Mike Tomlin's still a really, really good coach. They haven't been able to get the quarterback situation right, uh, and that's killed them. But I think that I, I understand if they do it, I think it would be a mistake. Next. Uh, the, the NBA has always owned Christmas Day. But now the NFL is taking over again. On one hand, it's nice for NFL fans, but on the other, football is getting greedy during the holiday season. Is the NFL yeah. encro- uh, is the NFL encroaching on Christmas Day naughty or nice? I think it's naughty. I just I just kind of alluded to it. I don't. The thing about the NBA is, especially this time of year, even on Christmas, you can passively watch. Like you can just have it on. But you don't have to be locked in for the entire game. If it's close late, you know what I mean? You lock in. It's a nice background noise on Christmas. NFL's not like that, especially if it's your team. And putting three games on Christmas Day, I'm just not a huge fan of. I'm just not. Like, this is, there were three, last weekend there were three Saturday games, then the full Sunday slate. Now, this coming weekend, there's three Saturday games. December 23rd, a full slate of Christmas Eve games, and then three Christmas Day games. I just don't love it. Um, All right, last. Uh, The Suns and Mavericks have been one of the best rivalries over the past few years in the NBA. Luka and Booker have gone at it in these games and have been chippy to say the least. Uh, Will the Suns and Mavericks play naughty or nice? Oh, no, they don't like each other, and I love it. I love the chip on that Luca and Booker have towards each other, and no, I think that that's a great budding rivalry that I really do enjoy. Uh, All right, we'll do our gambling part in just a moment. All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode two hundred two, and the holidays are upon us, and I know everyone will start thinking of what gifts to buy their significant others. I know I have. Well. I'm excited to share a great holiday gift idea. Lightbox. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are proudly grown from 100% renewable wind energy at the Lightbox Lab in Portland, Oregon. Not only that, but they're simply priced. Lightbox's lab-grown diamond jewelry ranges from classic studs to more of-the-moment tennis bracelets, drop earrings, and more. I know my wife would love any of these. Demonze is wearing and loves the earrings Lightbox sent him last month. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are perfect for family, friends, or even yourself. Make it easy for yourself and get everyone something special with the discount we have for you. Shop now at lightboxjewelry.com and use promo Nick Wright, just my name, Nick Wright, for 10% off site-wide. All right, Demonze, before we get to uh, the gambling show, 
I, I just, I, yeah, I, during the break, I looked at Twitter and I see this tweet, Kurt Benkert, who's a, was a NFL backup quarterback for a bit with the Packers tweeted, Brock Purdy is simply a modern day Drew Brees with more athleticism. And then David Lombardi, who covers the Niners for the athletic, not a nobody, a professional NFL writer, 100,000 Twitter followers, okay? This is what he wrote. Brock Purdy is Drew Brees with Lamar Jackson's 10-yard burst. (laughs) Which is exactly what Kyle Shanahan was looking for at the quarterback position in 2021. You want to find Drew Brees who can move like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I know. Uh, yes, agreed. You would like to you would like to pair up the most accurate quarterback in NFL history with the most athletic quarterback in NFL history, and, and maybe I'm just a fool. And they did it. They did, they did it. it. <laughs> I mean, they. You know what, guys? They did it. That's making the television show today. I just I'm telling you right now, Hubs. If you're watching this, this is making the television show. David Lombardi. Uh, San Francisco 49ers coverage at the Athletic. Brock Purdy is Drew Brees with Lamar Jackson's 10-yard burst. Okay. All right, let's go to the picks. We need a 5-0 week to get to 500. That's the reality of it. Tampa plus 3.5, never a doubt. Miami minus 8.5, never a doubt. The Giants plus 6 against New Orleans, that one didn't work out. Dallas plus 1.5 at Buffalo, they got annihilated. Jacksonville plus 3.5 against Baltimore, uh, it was raining, so I don't even know if that should count. But we're, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time in the past on these picks. I'm gonna rapid fire them, Demonte, because the reality is this: uh, people right now probably don't care about my analysis of it because I'm five <laughs> games under 500. So my analysis is probably flawed. All right, give me the first one. First off, you got Indy plus one at Atlanta. Yeah, I think Atlanta stinks. I think Indy's getting healthier. Jonathan Taylor's supposed to play. Uh, Indy's the better team. Indy needs the game. Atlanta, I think people are getting fired. They just went to Heineke. They go Ritter, Heineke, Heineke, Ritter. It's all the same. Uh, we like Indy plus one. Next. You got Washington plus three at the Jets. Yeah, I mean, the Jets cannot... The Jets have looked competent once in the last month and a half, and it was the one game that Zach Wilson had an out-of-body experience uh, and played great. Uh, there, he's he's got a concussion. He's probably not going to play. It's going to be Trevor Simeon. The Jets can't score points. I think Washington. I'm getting Washington, who is better than the Jets, and I'm getting points now. Am I a little worried about the turnovers from the quarterback position in Washington in this game, given that Jets defensive front? Yes, but two bad teams, two really bad teams. Give me the three points. It's that simple. Next, uh, Detroit minus three at Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, this is Jared Goff in a dome. It's Jared Goff in a dome against a team who, you know, is now on their third different quarterback of the season. Detroit needs the game. I understand Minnesota desperately needs it. I don't believe in this version of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Nick Mullins is one of the worst covering quarterbacks of the last few years, 5'11 and 1 in his career. I think Detroit 
I, listen, Minnesota's going to blitz the hell out of Detroit. I think Ben Johnson's going to have an answer for that. I think Detroit, against mid-tier or worse teams or against most teams in a controlled weather environment like a dome, is going to cook. I don't mind laying three points for a divisional road uh, road favorite. I know that's typically not a great idea, but I'm good with it in this spot. Detroit minus three next. Dallas plus one and a half at Miami. Yeah, like I just Miami is incredibly banged up. Dallas doesn't lose back to back. Dallas's offense, I think, will click back in. I, I, Miami. This is a bit of a, I don't want to say a trap game spot, but Miami's massive game is next week against Baltimore, and then the following week against Buffalo. If there was ever a week that they could. I don't want to say overlook because they're it's national TV. They're at home. They're playing a great team. But they have massive games coming up in Week 17 and 18. Dallas coming off a loss. Miami coming off an easy victory. Dallas has to have the win with Philly all of a sudden looking really shaky. Dallas can steal that division. I like Dallas to win, especially given yesterday's practice report where Hill's not practicing, A-Chan's not practicing, the entire offensive line didn't practice. All right, last one. All right, you got the Giants plus 12 at Philly. Yeah, it's I'm getting a dozen points in a divisional game against a team that is in total disarray and against a team who just let Drew Locke go 92 yards. You let Drew Locke go 92 yards in 90 seconds. The idea that Tommy DeVito can't get a backdoor cover out of this, you if you let if you can't stop Drew Locke to win a game, then anybody can cook on you. The Philly defense is in shambles. They just they had Matt Patricia calling plays. Matt Patricia, who famously carries around a pencil, even though his play sheet's laminated and you can't reuse a pencil on a laminated piece of paper, but he does it because he's trying to cosplay as Bill Belichick. Yeah, I'll take the Giants getting a dozen points in a divisional game. So the picks this week are Indy plus one, Washington plus three, Detroit minus three, Dallas plus one and a half, and the Giants plus 12. Last week, DeMonte and I both did a teaser uh, and the, well, Demonze's was unaired. Mine was aired. They both lost. We've been officially the worst teaser show in America this year, but we've been okay on the offer though. What's the offer this week? We lost Demonze, So I'll read the teaser. Don't worry about that. We're calling this one. Joe Burrow is a system quarterback. I'm not saying that. That's what the offer is. Jake Browning to throw for 300 yards and over one and a half touchdown passes for Pitt or versus Pitt for Jake Browning. I'm not going to take that. I do understand it, but I think that's a little too rich uh, against the Browns. De- or, sorry, against the Steelers' defense. Read your listener questions in the chat. You can still put them in. We'll do that next. What's right? All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode 202. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you ask me, nothing goes together quite like food and football, especially this time of year. College football on Saturday, pros on Sunday, and the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card provides the perfect way to earn rewards. Whether you're watching your team with other fans at a local restaurant or in the comfort of your living room, earn four times points when you dine out or have food delivered, maybe order a pizza, watch the big game on that big screen TV, 
of yours. Plus, earn two times points at grocery stores, which is great if you're tailgating at the stadium with hot dogs and hamburgers. Even getting to the game can be rewarding. You'll earn two times points at gas stations and EV charging stations. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Score big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from VCUSA Incorporated. Some restrictions apply. Uh, All right, so... Horton GMR10 asks, and I'm going to read these questions. Demonte's getting his mic fixed, but we're about to wrap the show anyway. Where do the Lakers go from here after an underwhelming 15 and 13 start? Trade a new coach. LeBron asks out. Well, there's not going to be a new coach. LeBron's not going to ask out. I do think that they're going to make a significant trade at some point. I also think that it does seem like they put a lot of effort and energy into that in-season tournament. And since then, for them and the Pacers, they, things haven't been quite right. I don't have the, really the answer on that, but you can't be getting blown out by the Chicago Bulls. Give me a break. Daniel Christo- Christosek, pardon me, asked, could Kadarius Tony's receiving issues be an equipment management issue? He's wearing different gloves than other guys. I've never thought of that. I did have the Galaxy Brain take, though, yesterday, and I think the producers will love this, including producer Kara, who once upon a time I called an intern, and just earlier this show I fired for an imaginary friend. Sorry about that, Kara. Uh, here's my Galaxy Brain Kadarius Tony drops take. If he were worse, it'd be better. The take is this. The Kadarius Tony drops, if they were traditional drops that just went through his hands, down, nobody would care. But because he's almost catching it and then trying to double catch it, and he pushes it up, they turn into interceptions. If he was worse, nobody would care about these drops. Uh, Cutlass asks, do you ever think we'll see Steph and LeBron team up before they retire? Listen, if the Warriors, Suns, and Lakers... All have disappointing seasons as they are as it looks like they're all going to. I personally would love to see. I, I think Oklahoma City is the only team that could make this happen as far as cap space and trade assets. I'd love to see an old guys team next year. A, a LeBron at 40, Steph and KD both at 36, those three guys just taking like in a sports movie. Three of the oldest pl- players in the league, three legends teaming up against all the young guys, but no, I don't think we'll ever see it. And then uh, the last one is Zane Martin asks, because the NFL is a hard salary cap league, do you think salary should be considered for MVP? Sure, let's have Purdy, let's give Purdy more advantages. No, it shouldn't be considered for MVP. It should be considered as far as what player is adding most value given the cap, but that's totally separate from what the award most valuable player is supposed to be. All right, guys, be on the lookout next week. We'll have kind of a year-end recap new episode for you. You can see me on TV, of course, all throughout this week and next week as well. Uh, But if I don't talk to you before, then have a wonderful holidays, have a great new year, and we'll talk to you guys soon. What's right?
Hey, it's Nick Wright. Thank you so much for watching. Please do us a favor. Click subscribe. It helps my ego. And Demonze's got a financial bonus writing on a number of YouTube subscribers. So help him out. And also, click the bell. I don't know what the bell does, but they tell me to tell you to click the bell. And your audio listeners, people that have commutes, drives, whatever it is, subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you get the podcast. Same show, just, you know, just in your ears instead of through your eyes. All that. Check it out. Appreciate y'all.